and welcome to episode 391 of the Crate and Crowbar, a gaming podcast being recorded on the 26th of January, 2022. I'm Marsh Davis, and I'm joined by Alex Wiltshire. Hello. And Graham Smith. Hello. What you been playing, boys? We've been playing with the vampires, haven't we, Alex? We've been surviving with the vampires. Hmm. Do you want to? Uh, do you want? Do you want to start? You you introduced me to this. You you cursed me with this game. Yeah, it's a bit of a curse. <laughs> it's um yes, uh, Vampire Survivors is um it was introduced to me as as uh, the, the new PC sleeper hit. That's what um how I first came across it. Um, uh, it is a very 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 cheap game on Steam, about two pounds or something like that. I think it's on itch as well, and um. Uh, it is a which builds itself as a bullet survival vampire kind of sort of a vampire game. It says bullet hell. I wouldn't really say it's bullet hell. It's more like Geometry Wars or something like that, where you play a little vampire hunter uh, and you have lots and lots of beasties um, spawn on the screen all around you and you maneuver yourself around, shoot out um, uh, projectiles of various types, um, gain XP. Uh, uh, the everything fires um, without your control. There are some, there are some uh, weapons, some some things that you shoot out or use, um, which 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 uh, shoot in the direction that you are traveling. But by and large, that is pretty much the only control you have over your over your mm. weapons, and uh, you earn XP for for killing beasties, and then you channel that XP into as you as you level up, I should say. Uh, you'll buy more weapons and then upgrades for those weapons and you become a vampire slaying machine um, over the course of a 30-minute <laughs> session uh, if you survive that long. You can't target enemies then at all? No. no. And so, that is its strength. <laughs> so, so hang on, all you're, all you're doing is moving, moving around, around and avoiding things, right? Yeah. yeah it's okay. just total directional controls. That's all. That's all you're using. And um, and what, what over the course of the next few minutes, Graham and I will discuss and probably not come to any conclusions as to how whether there's any skill in this game. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, I've I've already come to the conclusion that I don't care <laughs> if it has yeah. no skill in it. Okay, uh, that is that is that is the that is the conclusion that we can give you. It doesn't matter because it's. This is a, a as Graham wrote on uh, Paper Shotgun um, yesterday, I think. This yeah. is a dopamine machine. This is oh my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> the just the 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 the, the power ups like the, the your level ups come at such a gratifying rate of uh, you know and and the effects of the upgrades that you have have such gratifying effect. That um, uh, time just disappears into this one. <laughs> How far have you got into it? Have you have you uh, finished a run, Graham? No, I've not managed to finish a run. I've got up to like level eighty three in terms yeah. of like your character progression. Your character levels up as you as you kill enemies and collect the gems so, they drop. So that's eighty three times the upgraded, and therefore got to choose an upgrade. Um, I should say also, you get upgrades for picking up chests, which drop. Um, usually, or drop um, often when you kill kind of little boss characters um, mm-hmm. uh, as you as you go along, which are sort of tougher. Uh, um, and yeah, when you open a chest, you get this little screen. 
which kind of pops up and this little music sort of um, uh, kind of fruit machine music starts and you see all the upgrades kind of whirling by and there are swirly things and colorful things. Usually it's just one upgrade that you get. Mm. Sometimes you'll get three and the music really reflects that. <laughs> it's a complete fucking um, uh, like tonal kind of sort of, what is it? Whiplash because uh, it sort of, you know, well, I suppose actually it's not, none of it is very grim, um, but it's, but it, this one is like very twinkly kind of fruit machine music, fruit machine looks. Sometimes you get three. And then I've seen on a Northern Lion uh, uh, stream, he got a, a, a Penta, a Penta um, upgrade, five of the motherfuckers. And it yeah. like the whole screen was flashing colors. It was so good. <laughs> I've had five a couple of times. And yeah, like you say, it's not, it, none of the game is, is grim exactly, but it's, it's very bare bones pixel art. Like it's very restrained. You know, you're running around a grassy field with almost no other details. <laughs> All of the enemies, they barely animate. They maybe have a couple of frames of wibbly pixel art animation. It all looks incredibly basic. And then you get you open a chest and it fireworks go off before it opens. And then rainbows shoot out of it <laughs> before it gives you the actual items. And yeah, it's like very you, Pego. It's very Pego, isn't it? Yeah, that, that moment is very Pego. But it's also like, you know, you say, I got to level like 82 or whatever. That means I've been upgraded 82 times. It's also like a lot of the upgrades are just doubling what you've already got, especially <laughs> in the early games. Or, you know, like it's, it's, it's at the very beginning, there'll be like five bats on screen and you'll have a wand that will fire one blast every three seconds. And it feels when you first play it like, oh God, this is a bit of a slog. Like if you, if you feel really weak and kind of pathetic and you can't even aim your one piddly little wasp bland, wasp bland, wand blast that you're just walking around. Uh, but it's how quickly, you know, you've got two wand blasts and then three wand blasts and then a fireball and then a spinning Bible that goes around you and crashes into enemies and then like a boomerang blade and then, <laughs> and then throwing knives as you're walking around and you've got all these things at once. And then just multiples of it and multiples of it and multiples of it. And then you start getting the evolved forms of those weapons where it will take the fireballs, for example, which maybe have previously gone through three enemies or something before the fireballs disintegrate. And it will mean that the evolved form of it, they they don't stop at all. They will go through an infinite number of enemies. And And you really know it because now it's like meteor kind of graphics. You see them just like... Yeah. arcing across the screen and you're you know you're being surrounded by hundreds of enemies at a time there's a massive swarm and you've spent most of the game kind of like edging away from them and trying to squeeze through gaps like that's the bullet hell element is essentially yes. the the enemies are very slow moving bullets themselves and you're like kind of dodging around them and then suddenly you've got this fireball thing that just can carve a path through hundreds of them and you could just walk into the the crowds essentially and picking up all that xp stuff like that just feels so so good it's a game that's about nothing else other than the numbers going up, except you don't even really see the numbers. You just feel the change as you grow in power and and see the tide turn in some ways against the enemies. Both is the like the you go from five bats to a hundred bats on screen with one witch, which is kind of like the boss character, to to 
a few minutes later when there's a hundred witches on screen and what previously felt strong to you, you're just mowing them down by the thousands. And also just in the sense of you spent, you spent all that time running away and then you have these moments where you kind of feel like you get ahead of the leveling curve yeah, yeah, of yeah, the yeah, game. Yeah. Like, you know, you feel like, you can, and there's, there's, there's a thing in my brain there, which is like, Oh yeah, I must have made some pretty good decisions with those upgrades. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got those choice. I got that. I, I made that decision of which of the three upgrades to get. I must have chosen well because now I feel powerful. And like every game I play, I feel powerful around about the same point in the game. Like I feel weak between level twenty and level twenty-five, and then as I get to level thirty, I start to feel strong again. Yeah. It's probably this game is just manipulating me, and I am totally okay with it manipulating <laughs> you said yeah. thousands of witches yeah, yeah so like, what, what is the hierarchy of enemies that you're facing here what's what's more dangerous than a vampire in, in this witches are at the top actually definitely oh, right. uh, see it starts off with fire it's bats bats is bats, the first that's thing right, yeah yeah then he goes to skellingtons fair enough yeah then he goes to mummies yeah then he goes to kind of like there's this plant kind of mantis planty kind of mantis looking thing then it kind of, yeah. You get like, a lot it gets of them. Hazy. Yeah, you start to get a lot of them at the same time. So you're 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 fighting a swarm of I tell you mummies, what, one witches, of the, um, giant praying mantis for some ghosts, reason. Yeah, ghosts. Yeah, ghosts. The um the 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 first spike that I tend to get, like, and it's been fairly consistent, is a moment where you get these um clouds of ghosts, lots of ghosts in these clumps that fly at you in a group. And um before now you've there have been um before this point, there have been these clumps of um, bats that fly at you. But there's something, I think that, because oh, in general, all the enemies are kind of physical in the world. So they jostle with each other as they're trying to get to you. But I think that the, mm. the ghosts can actually go through others. And that's what makes them dangerous because you sort of, you kind of, they come right at you. And that's like, an, and for some reason, there's quite a lot of other enemies, so you don't have many options to sort of run away, you know, on the kind of the other axis to axis to where the direction wow. that they're coming at you on. So um yeah, but like that that spike has been fairly consistent. Ludo narrative synergy right there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, ghosts, eh? Hey? Yeah. You can't jostle the ghost clump. <laughs> That's in their law. <laughs> But is there, um, is there, a, is there a, a, a deep fiction behind this? Why have all these different uh, enemies decided to ally themselves against you? Well, I think it's got something to do with uh, the, 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 the Balpazi family. Uh, or maybe it's the LaDonna family. I, <laughs> there's no story in this at all. Uh, there is something we haven't talked about, which is, um, or, or explained, which is that um, it all the... The, a lot of the weapons are lifts from Castlevania. So there is a an axe that goes out in an arc um, upwards and then falls down. There's a, a, a cross that's sort of um, a boomerang-style cross that's, um, that, that Graham mentioned, um, a throwing knife that shoots out in front of you. Um, there is the holy water, which leaves these circular kind of um, damage over time um, areas around you. Uh, the rotating book uh is is like the one in uh, um castlevania uh so the vampire hunters oh there's a whip that shoot that fires out um behind you and in front of you uh the uh, sort of on a on the kind of lateral plane uh yeah so like there's this sort of castlevania thing to it um so the the you know like the the belmont family in um castlevania 
there's this sort of like little nods to that in this where one of the characters is Antonio Balpezi. He comes um, with a, a whip to start with. Uh, they all have little kind of um, up, sort of um, uh, bonuses to them. Antonio, um, every 10 levels, uh, attacks deal 10% more damage. Um, there's Imelda, his sister, mother, daughter, uh, who knows, um, is a magic user, shoots with a kind of wand. Very, the wands are really good. And she gets more experience as she grows faster. I like Pasqualina Belpezi. Pasqualina Bel- Belpezi has the rune thing. Was it the rune, rune something or other? It's um, this, this uh, uh, projectile which uh, shoots out um, and bounces off um, off other uh, things, but flies and but flies through enemies for a certain time before it despawns and then another one fires. That thing does huge amounts of damage. I know that it does huge amounts of damage because when you finish a run either by dying or by completing, it tells you the DPS of all of your weapons and how long they were active for, and and. The numbers are quite <laughs> quite incredible. <laughs> and some of the weapons, uh, with me, the Rune Tracer, that's what it's called, Rune Tracer. The Rune Tracer, every time, just minces, absolutely minces um, enemies. So good. So good. See, see, I like that. I don't know if there's a character that starts with this, but I like the bird that you can get. Oh, yeah. The, is it, do, you like, do you like the black bird or the white bird? Oh, I don't know if I've encountered the black bird. It's the white bird I was thinking of. Kind of like uh, there's a, a circle of effect that it draws on the map and then it will launch projectiles and it starts off again with like one projectile and then you can level it up until it's this just this aerial bombardment dove drone flying around you, launching <laughs> eight projectiles at a time on a constant stream. Yeah. And when you get lots of them going, it's just, they're just clearing vast areas because it's, you know, they're doing damage to an area as well. And it, oh, I mean, I think you, I often feel kind of, oh, nothing's, you know, the, the, the build is, is, is everything. And, and I've definitely had bad builds. I've definitely had really good builds. The, I've completed it twice now. And, um, and and that has been so. What, what, do you know what happens at the end of a run? I watched a. I, watched, I mean, I watched a Northern Line video where I think I saw. <laughs> but you, you can. I think you can spoil it. I don't think it's. Uh, I mean, yeah, something that like, needs to be kept secret. And there's there's very little Ludo uh, narrative excitement to be had here. It's just weird. Um, uh, 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 just but you know, around kind of by by the end of a run, uh, you're fundamentally. Your you, your build should be strong enough for you just to stand in place, and you're killing enemies at a rate of probably about a hundred every two seconds or something like that. They're just and they're just coming at you. There are so many on screen that they are jostling with each other and sort of squeezing in towards you, and you're just creating this space into which that they can sort of squidge, but you're just murdering them as you're doing so. And um, uh, at, at thirty at thirty minutes, they all just disappear. And and uh, the end boss turns up, just comes on a beeline at you. I don't even know what it is. It happens so fast. Comes in a, a, a beeline at you. Comes at you. You you. I've seen damage numbers coming off that uh, off it, suggesting that you can you are doing damage to it with with your weapons. But it, it basically just sort of comes at you, drains all your health. That you just think, oh Christ, I'm dead. That's the run over. What I lost. And then it says. 
you survived. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you thought, oh, okay, that was good. And uh, and that was um, and that's the end of a run. And it sort of then goes to the victory screen, or like it just shows you what your DPS was. But <laughs> yeah, it's it, um, <laughs> and I think. I think that that and once you do that first on one of the two levels, um, you can then do. And I haven't tried this. Is it frenzy mode? I, I don't know. Actually, I actually I've, I've got the game running here. I'm just going to see what happens. Right, yeah, okay. uh, it goes into hyper mode. You can click hyper mode, and I think, and it fifty uh, percent extra gold and ten percent luck. And I can't remember what luck does now, but um. Luck gives you a chance of getting more options when you. That's right. When you level up, more options yeah. of of skills to level. You should also point out, like, it is an early access, <laughs> so that that ending might just be. Eh, it's not done yet. I think the latest update for it was like zero point two four or something like that. Yeah. And they're still regularly adding new monsters and new weapons and that sort of stuff and and i expect there'll be new areas as well new new kind of places to fight yeah and there is on the roadmap plans for a story mode as well oh, really um you know so maybe it'll okay. fill in more <laughs> I, don't, I don't really more. don't want a story <laughs> no i don't really want a story either um but maybe you'll get more lore about the bell pacey family or whatever um the other thing is like yeah we haven't i don't think we've explained the gold because you are earning gold during levels which you can then spend on permanent upgrades in between and initially it felt like oh that's going to be the game like that's going to be it's going to be this grind of spending the pretend money to get these upgrades and that's the only way it's actually possible to get get to the end or make, and make actual progress but it's not <laughs> like i've barely I've, i think i've got like two or three upgrades or something um and i've got to like 29 minutes into a run a couple of times so i'm very close to being able to finish it um the, the upgrades are nice to like speed you along a little bit but they're completely inessential it's a game that's very content for you to just rinse it i think uh like even the achievements that are in it i've got almost all of the achievements after yeah. around four hours and i feel like that might be seen as a negative but to me that's like no, this game gave me everything I wanted and gave it to me in a really short space of time. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I I agree. I mean, I certainly I think that the the like I think that you yes you can max out numbers and when you do get those kind of the long term upgrades, the costs the gold costs you know are quite big for mm. a lot of them. Like, and they are, and as soon as you get one in a in a you know the first one is. 3000 gold and the next one presumably is going to be even more and yeah. and on my best run i think i've got about sort of 2000 gold or something like that so there is definitely a grind here if you want to max out the numbers and i and i suspect in hyper mode you probably do need that um you probably do need those upgrades to 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 be able to survive because i mean i've ju i just started um hyper and then paused it and on my screen at the very start of the of the you know the, the game there are some of those um howling uh ghosty kind of characters that um that explode when they get close to you mm. that's the first enemy and you're not even going to better be assured that you'll shoot at them or have a bullet available to them by the time they're, they're there yeah so yeah i think you probably need all that stuff for that but you don't need to play that to have fun because you just watch the numbers go up yeah in normal mode 
Oh, there's one other thing we did. We also haven't um, mentioned, which is that um, pickup that uh, attracts all the spirits Ooh. left lying around the ground. That feels nice, doesn't it? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> because because in a in a run, especially um, later on. Uh, you're just unable to pick up all of the experience of the stuff that you're killing because all your weapons are just wildly decimating stuff all over the screen and off it. And um, and this item just sucks everything in and you'll just upgra- up, upgrade, level up, level up, level up, you know, five, six times on the trot. Oh, so good. I like the, there's a little short burst flamethrower power up you can get oh, yeah. as well, yeah. which just like insta-kills any enemy it touches and that feels really nice after having been surrounded by 300 enemies for a while just being able to mow them all down in an instant feels great yeah how bad does it feel to um fail in this game because that's often a test of these sort of roguelike games or even geometry wars sort of games like i think tom senior was saying that returnal makes him feel really bad when he's reset back to zero i'm assuming from your enthusiasm that that's not the case here I think there's an interesting challenge at every stage. You know, the very first, in the very early bit of the run, you're kind of, I mean, I've, I've found myself like, oh, how can I how can I kill stuff in a really efficient way, you know, so I can pick up the, the um, experience quickly? And that's an interesting game in itself. Mm. And then because of the randomized nature of the upgrades, you don't know quite what you'll be playing in those early things. So... You know, because the upgrades, what the weapons you have very much shape the movement you're going to be doing and the and the way that you're addressing enemies. It, it there is skill in this game. It's definitely not just sort of you know, a, it's not an idle game. Um, um, so that that's fine. I think also, um, it's I don't know, it's lighter than something like than than something like Returnal, hmm. which is sort of wants you to feel dread. And also ask is asked you to sit down for hours or you know a lot longer before that point you died and said this is all the stuff you didn't get. Still, thirty minutes is quite a long time for these sorts of things, isn't it? But you don't get anything extra. All you've done, all you've in in literal terms, all you've done is is not earn quite as much gold as you would have done. You get five hundred gold for completing. That's it. I mean, which isn't an awful lot. So you just play again like your goal over time if you play you know half a run over and over again probably isn't that much lower well maybe it is but it's not it's not all that i'm also i'm playing it as a second screen game like returnal demands your entire attention on your big tv with both hands on the controller whereas i am playing vampire survivors basically vertical while watching youtube videos <laughs> um occasionally you know I, i'm not looking at the screen all the, all the time that i'm playing this game um i think the first couple of times i died i was like oh like i would be having a lot more fun if i wasn't dying and losing everything and getting sent back to the start but once i worked out a just how the game works i was instantly four times better at it like on my third go i think i lived literally four times longer than i did in my first two goes yeah um and it's you know it's once i was once i worked out the pace and what i was supposed to be doing actually it wasn't that difficult and then yeah the spectacle of it ramps up so quickly that even when you get sent back to the start and feel very weak i know that that's only going to be you know a minute before I have, you know, a couple of upgrades right. that make it more interesting. 
sounds like Robotron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but without without the hardcore, low low core, low core Robotron. I'd buy that for a dollar or whatever it's costing. Three dollars. <laughs> Three two pounds, dollars. two pounds, yeah. three dollars. Or if you play it on itch, I'm pretty sure it's free and it runs in your browser. <laughs> really? Yeah, <laughs> which is yeah. pretty good. Okay. <laughs> uh, Marty, if you play it, you'll be really very upset with its um, abuses of um, uh, of pixels. There are so many different scales of pixels going on. I, I did see screenshots of it. I assume it looks better in motion. No. No, <laughs> uh, it it does look better in motion. Like well, only because you're just enjoying the, what you're doing. Mm. Once you've got the spell effects and the spectacle, and everything is bursting, and everything is sort of like when you pick up the gems, they ping in a really satisfying way. And when your when your various projectiles connect to certain, like your different projectiles, all have a different sound. And so as that ramps up as well, that helps make it feel better but you know the pixel art on its own is is not stellar the pixel art looks like i drew it (laughs) (laughs) have you been playing anything else alex well i've i tell you what i haven't been playing that as much as i thought i was going to i mean i've put a few more quite a few hours into actually now um you've been playing you played um halo infinite haven't you i have i finished the campaign you fi- oh you finished it that's good okay you can tell me stuff you can tell me stuff because I've been <laughs> I without really realizing it I realized that I just sort of dropped it I really loved that game in the first few hours just like charging around the environments having a, a wonderful thirty seconds over and over again and um and thought it was you know a real shot in the arm uh, and then I sort of sensed a sense of sameness to it. I don't know, like it was, um, you know, in that way that open world games can get where you, you have, you recognize the kinds of play that you're going, going to get from different landmarks and different things, you know, cause they're designed to do a certain thing. There's the, the, the bases that you can capture back again. And there are the, the things you can destroy and the, and the, I felt it started to feel really samey, um, Interesting. And that I think it was that would be all right if it wasn't for the inherent promise that that combat engine, you know, that combat design and the openness of its world feels like it should be offering where, you know, uh, you know, the 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 capturing the little mini bases, the FOBs, um, which, you know, they're scattered all over the place. Um, and they become somewhere you can respawn when when you do so. So it's it's valuable to do that. Uh, there's the, none of them proposed any kind of an interesting scenario for me, um, and you know that, that really contrasted with something like Far Cry, where it's um, what are they called? Stronghold? You know what are they called? You know the 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 you know Tom's favorite, Tom Francis's favorite outposts, outposts. Where outposts in that every one of them poses its own special challenge or well semi you know they're always interesting you always want to do them fobs it's just a collection of random monsters which i never paid any attention to and you sort of like it was just became irritating to find the last few to mop up and yeah i there have definitely been some moments in it which have been fun you know just spectacular and fun um first time you come up against those uh covenant um tanky things you know the sort of that shoot the great, great big sort of um, arcing kind of 
plasma ball at you that you know t- full tank size things first time i saw one of them, that, was a, that was a fun one because i hadn't come across them in that game yet uh and the story level or the bit in the story the the, the sort of like the funnels you the story funnels you into but um where you go through a series of big gates all guarded you know by lots and lots of enemies and that felt really organic the way that i came up against it and took it all down definitely some wonderful bits but ah it feels so much slighter than i feel that it should do so much samier than it feels that it should be and um and then the story levels itself i don't give a shit about four on you know environments (laughs) and it keeps putting them in them and like this isn't a corridor shooter it just isn't unless you do something interesting with your corridors but they're just conduits to the next room that you're going into if you fill them with fucking flood or something that could be interesting or something anyway very odd very odd very odd indeed it's, what, it's interesting that, that is that is that on point i it, it, i mean it's, it's on point for, for your opinion i mean <laughs> sure <laughs> i mean i mean it's interesting that you, you're finding uh fatigue before you've exhausted the open world sections, because once you've ex- exhausted the open world sections, believe me, you'll be begging for the open world to return because <laughs> it's it's just forerunner corridors for I don't know the last three four hours of the game or something like that, and oh, they Lord of mercy. fucking suck balls. Unfortunately, I mean it, it's I, I feel there's there's a lot of asset reuse. Um, yes, um, maybe because you know, I mean, there's that time. There's there's a law basis for that. I'm sure that why you know why would the forerunners construct different corridors to just you know vary things up visually from one corridor to the next? They wouldn't. They would use the same design. But that aside, it's it's just the same cycle of corridors over and over again with slightly different enemy placements and the and the combat is you know still interesting within that but like there's only so many different ways they can juggle that to keep it you know lively it feels like they lean very much on it they sort of like oh we haven't we haven't got time here there's just another room with a slightly different layout of enemies and we'll just let the combat engine create the fun Yes, Which, I, I think that was the, the wise choice given probably the development environment <laughs> in which it yes. was had to emerge from. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the same time, it's not a very gratifying conclusion to, the, to that, that campaign sequence. Terrible boss battles as well. You've got a honkingly bad boss battles ahead of you, should you wish to continue. <laughs> but I, I, I totally agree that the, like the open world sections are at their base best when they, they have... Um, uh, they have very designed elements within them. I, I think they're at their worst when they they are uh, free form, um, sort of you know. in world, just sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, for one thing, they can't really design for the uh, as Chris was uh, saying in the last episode, where you know forts are built to withstand attack from all sides, you know, <laughs> uh, which makes them not very interesting spaces in certain ways uh, because. Uh, there's no there's no kind of like s- designed story for attack for attacking a fort you can come at it from any side and that doesn't necessarily make it a particularly gratifying experience for the the attacker <laughs> by by design uh and that's the sort of the, the feeling you get from the the outposts or whatever they are the fobs or any of the kind of um you know uh, multiply duplicated encounters that you can have in the open world of halo infinite they all feel like by dint of coming that at them from any side, they feel very in, interchangeable a lot of the times. And 
it means that quite a lot of the, the sort of the ways in which that combat shines isn't given expression always because you can end up just in the middle of a battle and just be fighting 360 degrees around around you and sort yeah. of scarpering away to hide in a corner and that's it doesn't feel very master chief <laughs> no. No. um but then uh, to counter that there are there are missions where there there are more obvious routes that you are in inverted commas meant to take towards an, uh, an objective there may be choices within within the different routes you can take and those sort of more kind of structured set pieces, which nonetheless use the open world to give you sort of choice and freedom, uh, are, I think, pretty pretty exquisite. But then there's nothing, there's nothing in it which is uh, as gobsmacking combination of uh, those freeform combat mechanics and uh, just scale and set piece wonder as the scarab battle. I know everybody says this, this has been the thing that where are the scarabs? But like the reason the scarabs are cool is because never before in probably any mainstream game had something that large just turned up that was navigable in first person like you yeah. would any kind of structure or level but it was also a giant enemy <laughs> yeah. uh, that you had to take down and then two of them turn up and you have to you know drive onto them on the back of like a fucking dune buggy and destroy them nothing like that that happens in halo infinite for all the kind of wonder of the kind of open world which is gorgeous and huge and the, the, just the scale of some of the, the fortresses that you you encounter nothing feels quite as audacious enmeshing of uh mechanics and scale and blockbuster wow as those scarabs yeah but i i don't i i i actually honestly don't think that it really i think it could have had its own stuff it it, it has these little promises these little um it's definitely little bits in it which do sort of like nearly get there nearly get there but um yeah fascinating game really but i i hadn't really it, it's odd how it just sort of seeped out of my consciousness. I was, um, mm. yeah. I'd really love to have a, um, like a, you know, a developer's commentary walkthrough of that game, uh, but the kind of developer's commentary that would never happen because I, I think what's really interesting about it are all the compromises that they've had to make. Yeah. And, uh, with, you know, without dissing the, the team involved, what they've done, presumably, I mean, it, it is incredible. Um, and to have, you know, come through a, a difficult development period with a game that wasn't necessarily finding its feet and then uh, chaperone that across a very short space of time into something which feels as as polished uh, at least superficially as, as halo infinite yeah. i think that's a really interesting design challenge and I'd, yeah. I'd love to hear them unpick it but you're never going to get that kind of uh, frankness from a developer because it would obviously you know involve some uh, admission of <laughs> of design failures or, or you know, process failures at, at least yeah 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 have you been playing as well, uh, apart from this uh I've, i feel like i've been playing what is the most opposite game <laughs> from both <laughs> halo infinite and uh and what would you call it vampire vampire survivors. survivors vampire survivors there you are i've been playing um strange horticulture which strange is horticulture a game in which you identify and dispense plants for medicinal and occult purposes. Uh, it's set in some sort of fantastical version of the Lake District, unusually, uh, circa, I guess, the 19th century, I'd guess, from the, from the close. Um, and since I'm, 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 you know, I'm in the midst of writing a 
uh, a tabletop role-playing game, which is set in an alternate version of the north of England in the past, <laughs> where magic is a terrible reality. It's this is very you know relevant to my interests, um, and it's also relevant to my interests because it's because um, I really like games in which your your interaction with them is merely to obtain paths and utilize information. I, you know, uh, I think information game is is how that's often said now, uh, or a UI game because at least in this case it's entirely conducted through a, uh, you know, a 2D UI representing your shop and occasionally a map. Um, and usually in those sorts of games, you sort of, you know, the information that you're obtaining, parsing and utilizing uh, pertains to some sort of like mystery or specifically like a murder mystery, like the Sherlock games or Return of the Oberdin. And there is a murder in this. But what's weird about it is it's almost entirely without any mystery whatsoever. <laughs> it's like almost remarkable that a game whose subject matter involving occult murders could manage to be this unmysterious <laughs> in its plot. It's like literally the first thing you think about the murders proves to be true. And the game just sort of trundles along towards like a heavily foreshadowed event with all the characters occasionally popping in going like, well, that's bad. That's happening. I hope we get to do something about it. <laughs> and, Is there a and you function to it because you're just so, a fucking botanist. Sorry. Is there a function to it being so obvious? Like, does it actually? Is it intentional that you know because because the fact that you know allows you to do other things in the game? Well, I think it's. I mean, it's almost that your your involvement with it. I mean, you, you like I say, you're just a botanist. So, uh, I mean, you shouldn't be really investigating murders. No, uh, you should leave that to the cops. Yeah. Uh, but you have sort of wiggle room within the story about what your role is. Like you can aid or hinder other characters uh, to bring about different endings. But like it's it's. I don't think it's. I mean, it may be intentional, but I think it's it's not necessarily good that there is no deduction in it at all as uh, as it relates to the kind of main narrative you even get these sort of like little cards of all the characters you meet with backstory on them and you think like when you start picking these up that oh they're like this is a roster of suspects but the game has absolutely no interest in pretending like uh, you know in in concealing who is responsible or what they're trying to do <laughs> I, I found that weirdly infuriating <laughs> i don't know why um so what 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 are you uh, doing during the game? So, like what is your what what is what do you, you actually yeah? So the game's mysteries are entirely reserved for its plants, and you pick up different plants. Uh, you have to work out where they may be found. Use a map to find them. Uh, you have to work out what they are, what they're called, what they're commonly called, what their effects are, and so forth. Uh, and you do this by you have a picture of, of a plant. And then you have a sort of botanical guide which lists the plants uh, with some uh, intentionally vague or partial drawings. And then you have to match the descriptions and the partial drawings to the plants in your inventory and work out which are which and try not to poison anybody. Um, and these the descriptions are, are like vague enough that there could be multiple candidates for any given plant on your shelves. But usually, usually you can narrow it down with like a closer inspection, which might give you like a, a, a clue to how it smells or how it feels to hold. Uh, or you can just like, you know, exclude other candidates by positively identifying them as other plants. And that stuff is really quite cool. Like uh, I think, and it, it, it's not, it, it, it's something that might slip your attention as to how well designed it is, but the the number and variety of plants 
uh, and how different they are and the ways in which they can be different is something that needed to be incredibly finely gauged for it to be uh, to be rewarding and not overly difficult. And they've they've hit that perfectly, and that is uh, incredibly laudable, I think. Um, and there's there's some light riddling as well, which will help you locate new clues. Like like I said, there's a map in it, and you you sort of get to make expeditions from your shop. Uh, not really. You just click on a square on the map, and it tells you what you get basically. Uh, and there's sort of clues as to which square to click, but they are very low-level uh, uh, riddles. I would say they're very, very, very easy. Um, Do they not... fit within the world? Like, who's actually giving you the riddle? If you sort of mean, not always clear in certain circumstances. There's sort of like. Uh, in between days, uh, as this game is apportioned up into a, a period of time and you get certain customers on, on certain days, um, in between days you get a screen which gives you a, a card which has a, a cryptic clue on it as to where to pick up a new plant. Those seem to be like the uh, mission-critical plants uh, that you need for the overall narrative. No real narrative explanation is given as to where these these cards are coming from. But as for the rest of the game, you have other you know contacts in town who will say, "Hey, I spotted a plant. You know, it was you know it was near the near the beginning of a river and next to a mountain." And you look at the map and you try and figure out where that might be and um, how many squares to the left you know you need to go to to pick it up. Um, yeah. So that that's that's about as far as it goes with the sort of that sort of riddling stuff. But like, I like all that stuff. But as the game sort of goes on, I felt like the the tools I had at my disposal to to sort uh, or label this growing collection of plants just aren't sufficient for the task. Uh, yeah. I mean, I kind of I don't mind like these puzzling games giving you legwork, uh, but I feel like in the role of a botanist whose job it is to organize these things, I actually didn't have enough tools to organize these things. <laughs> uh, it's quite frustrating. Like, I'd like to be able to tick off entries in the reference book once I'd identified them. Um, but instead, you just have to flick through, you know, I don't know, 50 f names of different flowers. And it's hard, you know, as as a man with a decaying brain, hard for me to, to maintain an you know, internal list of which ones have been ticked Definitely. off and which ones haven't. And... Uh, and because there's no update to those those entries, and I, I feel like you end up having to re-identify plants every single time an order comes in, because the, the your way of like collating the information you have already acquired just isn't good enough for you to to keep any kind of track of things. You can put a a label on plants, which obviously you would be their name, but you can't, for example, say what their effects are or yeah. Uh, it needs an index. I need to be able to build an index so I can say, okay, what are all the plants that you know affect memory? And then I'll get a list of those. And I, there, it feels like there's there's a lot more they could have done there uh, with a lot more development time, obviously, which would have uh, which would have improved the experience. There's, the book is just... like the book in in Nobreden is is like fundamental. You can see how mm. the whole game is designed around the book. You know, information games are about. What games? What games record? What games surface to you? What you discover? Yeah, the book seems quite. 
yeah, important. <laughs> it is, and it, this game gives you a really appreciation of of how good <laughs> that, that book is in Oberdin, um, and how insufficient it is here. Even down to like, there's not enough space really for you to like lay your plants out in useful groupings. There's enough space to lay them out alphabetically, but that doesn't help if a character comes in and says, you know, I'd like a plant with this effect or I'd like a plant with, uh, you know, I'd like a plant and they give the the common name for it rather than the the name that's, you know, alphabetically in the in the encyclopedia. So there's, there's kind of a bit of a frustration there. Um, and that process just ends up feeling quite samey because there aren't enough different ways for you to kind of attack that information. You end up having to do the same work again and again and again. But I do, I do really enjoy the sort of ambience of it. It's got this kind of spooky, somber feel to it, which is also quite chill. Yeah. Don't know why it's set in the Lake District. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they use most of the names, but they change Windermere to Undermere. I don't know why. But that's because it's spookier, uh, isn't it? Undermere is more spookier than Windermere's. Is it? Yeah. Know. You know, they've still got like Scarfell Pike and. But that's because that's old a cool man name. Honestly. That's an instantly cool name, Scarfell Pike. Oh, yeah. What about Bootle? <laughs> <laughs> okay. How tall is Bootle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's 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 like a fantasy map, but it is of the Lake District, like f- accurately. But they've moved a few things, which, if you know something about the Lake District, can be occasionally very confusing because you'd be looking for things in the wrong place. But uh, otherwise, otherwise the Lake District, hmm. it's all right, I suppose. I'd say. <laughs> <It's all right. laughs> yeah, no, some. See, I really enjoyed Oberdin for its naturalism, that it felt like everything existed within the world and the book was uh, a product of an expression of that world and therefore it fitted within it so beautifully. And I saw that, uh, I just didn't get that impression from um, the screenshots and the videos that I saw of uh, Strange Horse Culture. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not a three D game, so it can't it can't feel quite as sure. uh, you know immersive in the way that Oberdin does. Um, and it is all you know, you it it does quite a lot to fit a lot of information into a single screen, and uh, that, that's quite impressive. But yeah, it does it, it it's 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 left me uh, itching for some larger mystery experience. <laughs> you could play that new Sherlock Holmes game, then, can't you? I could. I was thinking of doing that. Yeah, I yeah. thought you might. <laughs> there was there was the, the sexy Sherlock Holmes game. I think wasn't there also a sexy Poirot game? What the is hell? There? That's every Poirot, though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> How could it not be? I'm pretty sure that I, I, maybe it didn't come out. Maybe it's still in development. But I'm pretty sure there's a Poirot game where he's younger, uh, and there was a dev blog where they said they'd uh, created a new type of mustache. Entertaining the prior. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, I need more answers. I definitely that raises a lot of questions. We'll, we'll, we'll stick a link to this in the show notes. That seems important. <laughs> was it a moustache that Poirot himself could wear? Yes. Yeah. That was okay. that was their it was their new character design for young sexy Poirot. Mm-hmm. They invented a new moustache. Oh. I mean, just oh. I want to know. Are there any? Are there any um, sort of like horny old detectives uh, who 
<laughs> who haven't been turned into weird Morse. younger versions. No, Morse. they did it with Morse. There's young Morse. Oh, on TV, yeah, but not on games. Oh, I yeah. thought you meant in games. I would, oh, yeah. I would like a Morse game. I'd like a young CAD file. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Graham, have you been playing anything uh, else apart from Vampire Survivors? I've been playing Fuga Melodies of Steel. Wow, okay. Have you? Have either of you heard of this or played this? Nope. No, and my brain would immediately resist remembering it. <laughs> <No. laughs> yeah, which is which is fair. I had to write it down in order to remember it for this. Um, Fuga Melodies of Steel is a turn-based role-playing game. Um, okay. It's 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 Japanese, so it's it's a JRPG in a lot of senses, and it is set in a world of anthropomorphic dogs and cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of modeled after like late 30s 1940s europe yeah. uh, kind of fantasy world um and your town your little village in what i'm guessing is is central europe somewhere is invaded by the dog nazis mm-hmm. who raise your village you know as, as happens and um a group of children from the village flee the town and take shelter in a nearby cave in which they find what is basically like Howl's moving tank. It's, it's, it's an actual angry house. It's a tank big enough for uh, these like nine friends or something like that to live in. Uh, and they get in the, the big tank and it's, it's made by a, a previous civilization, a more technologically advanced civilization. But they, they take this the, the the rest of the villagers who didn't weren't so lucky to escape are all uh, kidnapped by the by the dog Nazis, and so these anthropomorphic children cats <laughs> I don't know whether to call them kittens or not when they're <laughs> anthropomorphized um, they decide to use the tank to fight back basically and go rescue the rest of the villagers, and it's a it's it's a turn based RPG so. The, the characters, they can walk around the tank and you can move from room to room and they can have dialogue sequences. And as you talk to one another, they develop affinities, their relationship, they become friendlier. That makes them better in battle. And then the battles are, you know, screen split down the middle, your tank on the left-hand side, enemy tank on the right-hand side. And what you're doing is you're assigning your cats to different cannons on the tank. Okay. Uh, and their, their personalities link up to the types of cannons in some way, such that they, you know, certain cats um, make certain cannons more powerful if you slot them in that socket. And likewise, if you put them, you can fit two cats on each cannon. And if you put, if you put two cats that are, you know, friends from the, from the interstitial sections together, then your your shots will be more more powerful, and so there is you know kind of satisfying strategy. Like I think it's actually quite good as a turn based combat game. I haven't played a huge amount of it, but there's satisfying strategy or tactics in making decisions about where you're positioning your cats and when to use your shields and fighting back against against these Nazi dogs or dog Nazis. Um, I'm not so wild about the the anime, the anime cat dialogue stuff in between. It's it's not, it's no fire emblem. Like it's not gonna throw you or overcome its fundamental twee animeness in any way, <laughs> except for 
um, there's there's three main cannons on the tank, and then there's a special cannon, which is called the Soul Cannon. And what you can do, right, is if is if you're having a, a difficult time in a particular battle, you can tell one of the cats to go to the Soul Cannon, which is which will guarantee your victory. It's a cannon so powerful it will destroy any tank you're fighting, but it will consume the soul. <laughs> of the child that you send into it. Um, <laughs> the child being a cat. <laughs> yes. Uh, killing them forever. Uh, and then the plot keeps going past that point hmm. uh, and, and branches accordingly and uh, the remaining characters, obviously, depending on whom you've sent to this miserable fate, <laughs> wow. uh, have different reactions to it based on what their relationship was with this character beforehand. Uh, and that's quite a compelling setup, actually. <laughs> like giving giving me a branching narrative w- with quite dramatic stakes like that. Uh, I'm I'm quite inclined to keep playing it, even though I find the the dialogue utterly banal and mostly filled with ellipses and these other these other elements that JRPGs and visual novels seem to love. But yeah, I played it for a couple of hours. How's it like strange culture, culture. It's all right. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> it's two D, but it's quite quite lush. You know, yeah. it's a two D side on. You know, you're getting like a cut through of the tank as you're walking walking around. It's a little bit painterly, I would say, in terms of the textures, and in in the battles themselves, the tanks do look cool. Like the tank that you're in, it really is like a three four story building. Lots of moving parts, lots of steam pouring off it. Um, it's got pretty fun, like attack animations and that sort of stuff as you're as you're striking against different enemies. Um, so I like I like how it looks, but I don't like the character designs. Like they all look, like I say, like twee, cutesy, slightly creepy, anime animals on legs, <laughs> dressed as like. 1930s European children. <laughs> Seems like it would make it much easier to, to feel okay about packing them into a shell and then firing them. <laughs> it's like, it's like the, the kind of the kind of spunky leader of the troop of children wears like a flat cap and dungarees yeah. and yeah. like a, a white shirt rolled up to the elbows. Um, but then you know he's got big ears sticking out from underneath his flat cap. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think if I saw this, and it was recommended um, by someone. I don't remember who now because it was a few months ago. But if I saw this in Steam, I would not have looked at it twice. Basically, I, like I would have instantly scrolled past just based on the character designs. I think, but actually poking around it, um, you know, it was more interesting to me as a as a strategy game or, or a technical RPG, and I think it's a sequel. Actually, I feel like it's I think it's a sequel to like a DS game or a three DS game. Yeah, I don't recognize the name at all. But then they are often difficult to remember. Sort of this sort of class of of uh, RPG. Hmm. I, I have a feeling like maybe it's set in the same universe. As another RPG series, okay, yeah. and this is like the turn-based <laughs> tank spin-off. This is where they of... go on holiday to America, uh, to, to uh, <laughs> Europe. <laughs> Maybe was it Little Tail Story, which I think was 
Um, maybe that's the mobile version. I'll look it up and I'll put the, put it in the show notes because I'm pretty sure it's the sequel to a to a DS or a 3DS game. And then I think also this is like a spinoff of like a a more major RPG series. Again, not one I had ever actually heard of, but um, I'll look that up later. <laughs> but yeah, uh, like strange horticulture, it's all right. <laughs> but you do get to kill children, so I mean, that's a bullet point, isn't it? And animals at the same time. <laughs> cats. They're cats, Marty. And I'm also, I like dogs. My own dog is sleeping on his back behind me. Um, his t- all his teeth are showing. They're wonderful. I'm not sure it's as clean cut as the cats are good guys and the dogs are all Nazis. I think there are, I think there are good dogs and bad dogs <laughs> and good cats. And Just bad as cats. they are in real life. Mm. Yeah. This is an inversion of the um, anthropomorphization that was put forward by Art Spiegel's mouse, because in that, all oh, yeah. the Nazis are cats and the dogs are the Americans. Oh, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> or not. Not really. Not I, at all. It, it's almost certainly a, a reference to that, yeah. Well, there you go. That's a, a slew of slightly above mediocre games for you. <laughs> and, uh, and Vampire um, Survivors, which is... Uh, the game you could have played in 1982. <laughs> More or less. Cool. Well, I guess that's, I guess that's it. <laughs> Let's end the podcast. Uh, if you'd like to tweet us, you can do so at Crane Crowbar. You can listen to these recordings as videos on YouTube. You can find other nonsense by us. Address for that is youtube.com slash crane crowbar. Thanks as always to our backers on Patreon. You can back us too at patreon.com slash crane crowbar. Or you can simply join our wonderful Discord community. They're a lovely bunch of people. The link for which is on our website, crateandcrowbar.com. That's it. I've been Marsh Davis. I've been Alex Wilshire. And I've been Graham Smith. Thanks, Thanks for listening, everybody. Meow.